Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Thank you for that warm, uh, warm welcome. It's good to see you all, and I'm excited about Overflow this week coming. It's going to just be amazing, and uh, it's harvest time, everybody. It is harvest time, and we are absolutely in some of the most exciting times in all of history, I believe, and uh, God's on the move. He is so on the move. So I wonder if you could show that picture. I want to talk this morning about being workers in the harvest field, and I'm going to teach you how to heal the sick, but... uh, and it's, it's very much in line with it's harvest time. And I spoke three weeks ago about it being harvest. And, uh, and then I went straight from there to uh, Oklahoma and Texas. And I wonder if the team could uh, bring that photo whenever you're ready. Okay, you guys. Um, and it was just fascinating to me that I went from sharing with you about it being harvest time and about how the 425 window, the age 4 to 25 is the greatest opportunity in the midst of harvest time for all of us, no matter what our age is. Uh, If we pivot, the Lord's saying, we're going to see a gigantic harvest. And then I go straight to having an opportunity to go fishing on this gigantic lake with my friend in Texas who's got a bass fishing boat and he's an expert fisherman and I catch this fish, okay? Now, you need to understand, I'm not a fisherman. I just like to recreationally fish. I was really, really blessed to catch that fish, okay? And, and yes, I know that it, you know, it helps to hold that fish fairly close to the camera to make it look as big as possible, but, but really, it actually was a really big, large mouth bass, and it put up quite the fight. Um, in fact, that was my 29th fish, my last fish that I caught, number 29 uh, for me, and my buddy caught 31. That's 60 fish between us from 10 a.m. to 3.30 p.m., That's a lot of fish, everybody. And I believe that that was a prophetic sign. All right, you can take that down now, that handsome man with that enormous fish. Thank you so much, you guys. So I want to talk about it's harvest time. And I want to particularly talk about being workers in the harvest fields, healing the sick. Heal the sick. And I want to teach you this morning together with the Holy Spirit, how to heal the sick. How many of you would like to spend the rest of your lives healing the sick and having a really, really, really big, 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 big uh, success rate? Raise your hands. All right, fantastic. Well, guess what? Well done for coming today. You're going to learn how to do that. And uh, part of my motive, as I was waiting on the Lord and and, and listening to his heart for what I would share this week, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to prepare the church family for the Overflow Conference. We want to be the hosts as a church family who easily and competently know how to heal the sick with Jesus. Okay? 
So I'm going to give you, uh, we're going to start, please, in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35 to chapter 10, verse 1. And uh, in the original manuscript of Matthew, these verses are not split up. It's one and the same flow. So it's, it, it's does, it doesn't help having chapter 10 start with verse 1, because really, chapter 10, verse 1, is all part of the end of chapter 9. Verse 35. Holy Spirit, I ask that as we read your word, you would open our eyes to the harvest being ripe. I ask you that you touch each of our hearts and give us the ability to decide I'm going to be a worker in the harvest fields. Lord, I thank you that you have provided for us in Christ Jesus to be mighty, mighty anointed healers of the sick. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. What's left out of every? Nothing. You know what that means? It means that there's not a single sickness, a single disease, or a single affliction known to man today, right now, that you might face either in your life or in the lives of those around you that has not already bowed its knee to Jesus. Come on, everybody. How epic is that? So, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority. And in Luke says power as well as authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. I love this. It's very clear Jesus is defining what it means to be a worker in the harvest fields. It's not just a case of being present in the harvest fields. It's a case of working in the harvest fields. And what is that work? He defines it right here. He says, He gave them authority and power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Workers in the harvest fields at harvest time are the people who know their God and do great works, move in great power. Those who know and understand that the kingdom of heaven is right now and that with it being right now, it means that we can see the, Jesus do the most amazing miracles, signs and wonders, just like he did when he was on earth. Now he can do them through us. And instead of one man on earth doing miracles with a gigantic crowd that's so big he can't reach them all, now he has millions of us out there in the world doing miracles. All right. So I want to... Uh, Take this morning and teach you, teach us all how to heal the sick so that we can be workers in those harvest fields that are around us. And I'm going to give you nine points, but don't worry. 
I know that sounds a lot. We're going to move through them quickly. Number, point number one, workers know what sickness is. Workers know what sickness is. Workers in the harvest field understand and know what they're dealing with. Sickness is death slowed down. If we realize that sickness is death slowed down, we would be a whole lot more motivated to get rid of it. How do we know that sickness is death slowed down? Well, if you think about it, a person whose immune system is completely compromised and is flattened and no longer exists. A friend of mine uh, had that situation. He had to have a bone marrow transplant. And when, in order to give the new cells to him, they had to completely flatten his immune system. As a result of that, he had to be in a completely sterile environment. Nobody was allowed in there because one bug in there could have killed him. If you didn't have your immune system, just the simplest cold or cough or flu or something mild that would not touch another person other than give them an afternoon of discomfort could kill you. Sickness is death slowed down. Don't tolerate any of it. Now, death's power comes from universal sin as well as specific sin. Sin's power is broken at the cross of Christ so that death no longer reigns and sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. The power of sin is conquered, therefore the power of death is conquered. Therefore the power of sickness is conquered. That's why we can say that our healing belongs to us because of what Jesus has done at the cross. Amen? Amen. Number two. Workers know that healing is absolutely for today. It's absolutely for today. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His mission hasn't changed because he hasn't changed. Amen? So the same Jesus who healed the sick, left, right, and center, I mean, well, let me finish that sentence, is the same Jesus dwelling in you. Now, right now, I'm in the Gospels. As I'm reading through the Bible each year, I get to the Gospels. And this time, I've just been amazed. Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's just, I'm immersed. Right now, I'm in, uh, just finished Luke 15. But I've just been amazed being immersed in the Gospels for the last three weeks or so that how, ma- how much Jesus healed the sick. It's like the stories, it's just packed in there of Jesus healing the sick and healing those who are afflicted. It's the nature of the king and the kingdom to bring healing and freedom and wholeness to us. Amen. Number three, workers know that it's always God's will to heal. And as I wrote out my notes this morning, as I was preparing, putting the finishing touches, I put capital letters on the always, always. It's always God's will to heal. You say, what? Always? Absolutely, always. God is always willing. Jesus never turned anybody away. 
And he only did what he saw his father doing, John 5.19. I love that, John 5.19. Jesus said, the son can do nothing of himself, but only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does in like manner. And then John 5.20, one of my favorite verses. The father loves the son and shows him all he does. Why is that my favorite verse? Well, because it's not just true of Jesus, but it's true of each of us in Christ Jesus. Now that we're sons and daughters, the Father loves us and wants to show us all that he's doing. Come on, everybody. Get excited. Heaven wants to show you what's happening on earth through heaven's lenses. Amen? You don't have to go through life stumbling along in darkness. You can go through life knowing every moment what your daddy's doing, what the moment's all about, and bring your daddy's will into the circumstances all around you. Woo! Now, I think one of my favorite stories in the Bible that illustrates that it is always God's will to heal, no matter what, is right there in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. Let's read it. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now think about that. What a moment for Jesus who only came to reveal the Father, who came to do the Father's will, whose very purpose was to reveal the nature of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What a moment right there for him to say for all time, well, sometimes the Father's willing and sometimes he's not willing. And we're not too sure if it's his will or not. We really need to discern if it's his will. Jesus could have used, this is probably the best moment of opportunity for Jesus to demonstrate that sometimes the father's willing and sometimes the father's not willing. The man literally, the leper literally tees it up for him. If you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus is like, hmm. Yeah, I'm ever so sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah, it's too bad. Uh, Normally he is willing, but... You know, I need to use this moment to help the world know that sometimes the father's willing, sometimes the father's not willing, and it sucks to be you, but he's not willing. Sorry. Bye-bye. Off you go. Cheers. By the way, rejoice. Keep rejoicing. You never know. The time might come one day for you. Do you realize that that's the Jesus we often think he's like? Maybe not consciously, but every single time we think to ourselves, you know what, I don't think it's the Father's will. That's the Father that Jesus would have showed us if that was true. I'm so pleased that he didn't show us that the Father's like that at all. Aren't you just so glad that he reached out and said, I am willing And the Bible says right here that he stretched, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I have an advantage over everyone in this room apart from my parents and maybe one or two others that have come from abroad. I grew up around 
And when I say an advantage, I mean an advantage to understand the nature of this, of how great this miracle is. That's what I mean by that advantage. I grew up around leprosy. How many of you in this room grew up around leprosy? Raise your hands. You grew up around leprosy. Yep. Yep. Uh huh. Me too. Just a few hands, like four of us in the room, five of us maybe at the most, grew up around leprosy. All of us in here have no idea how blessed we are that leprosy is no longer an, a, a day-to-day human issue in our midst. I grew up around it. I grew up every day with a man riding his donkey who would come to our village every day. And he'd come into the village around in the afternoon and he had no fingers on either of his hands. He had no feet on the end of his, of his, of his legs because leprosy had taken his fingers. Leprosy had taken his feet. Now he was cured of that leprosy because of the mission's leprosy hospital, an entire hospital dedicated to curing leprosy. An entire hospital, everybody. And people, the human misery caused by leprosy is horrific. Not only the social issues, but also the, 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 the worst part is the physical and mental issues that leprosy causes. Nobody touches a leper because leprosy is transmitted by touch. And leprosy affects all of the nerves in a human being's body so that when they put their hand in a fire, they don't even realize it's in the fire and the flesh is burned away and the hand's gone. And there's no cure for it unless medical intervention now in modern medicine, which is why, folks, leprosy is not a daily issue for you to think about. But I grew up where leprosy is an issue. And this is a big deal that Jesus says, I am willing. And he reaches out his hand in the midst of 1,800 years before a cure for leprosy can be found. And he reaches down to the man. And he says, I am willing. I only do what I see my father doing. I'm adding that in now, you guys. I'm demonstrating to you the father is always willing. I am willing. And by the way, the significance of I am willing. Think about this. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am who I am. I am willing. It's his name. (laughs) Think about it, everybody. I am willing. I'm willing. Now, what I love about I am willing is not I was willing. Too bad. I'm so sorry. I was willing yesterday, but today I'm sorry. You're out of time. You're in the wrong time. Or... I will be willing. It's just we don't know if it's quite God's timing yet for you. So I will be willing. Take heart. There's a time coming. No, no. He says, I am willing. Now listen, everybody. 
If there's a time for everybody to be healed, and the Bible's clear that there's a time for everything, knowing that time is not your business, except to say this, I am willing has come into the world to show you that the time is now. If you want to be a worker in the harvest fields, you must heal the sick. And if you're going to heal the sick, you got to forget about timing and follow the will of God and live according to the word of God and not your experiences or anybody else's experiences. I promise you, if you take a hold of what Jesus came to show us, that the Father's always willing, you will have so much greater an opportunity to see Jesus use you to heal the sick than if you don't believe that. And instead, think to yourself, well, it's not for us to know the time. Maybe there's a time in the future. You know what? That's God's business. How do we know that? How do we know that? Because in a completely different subject, this is just occurring to me right now. Jesus said, I'm returning. You don't know the time and the hour. Not even the son knows the time and the hour. Only my father, not even the angels, only my father knows the time and the hour. But you be ready. Amen. In other words, he's saying concerning my return, you don't know the time. In other words, concerning a person being actually healed, you don't know the time. Just know I've done everything for them to be healed at the cross. Your job is be ready. Do it now. Now is the time. Amen. I am the everlasting willing one. Number four, workers know God never gives sickness to teach his children lessons. Guys, this is one of the worst, most demonic false doctrines alive in the church today. It defames the very nature and person of the father. It makes out that the father's evil when the truth is the father's good. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 11, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Listen. If we say that God gave somebody that sickness or God gave me that sickness to teach me or to teach somebody a lesson, we're making out that we're better than God. How do I know that? Because there's not one of us in this room that would give our children sickness to teach them a lesson. So why in the world, when, when we're evil, I know we're righteous and holy. I'm not talking about our position in Christ Jesus. I'm talking about our human position, Jesus is in, in, in Matthew 7, 11, that Jesus is talking about. That you, earthly children, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your own children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? How many of you would agree with me that healing is a good gift to be given? All right. Now, how many, I let, uh, you know what? I can feel the resistance in the room. Uh, maybe it's online. Maybe it's those watching online. Maybe you're resisting me. Listen to me carefully, everybody. How many of you in this room or online, how many of you have children? Raise your hands. Okay, put your, keep your hands up. If you believe that disciplining your kids is a good idea, put your hands up. 
And maybe if you don't have kids, put your hands up. If one day, if you do have kids, you'll agree with me, discipline is a good idea. Look at all those hands, everybody, keep them up. All right, keep your hands up if you would give your children cancer to teach them a lesson. Come on, keep them up. Anybody? No, none of us. Why would we ever put that on God, who's way better than us? All right, okay, cancer's extreme. Put your hands up if you have kids, or you'd like to have kids, okay? All right, keep your hands up in the air if you believe in disciplining your children is a good thing, or your children one day, great, wonderful, keep them up. Keep your hands up if you would give your children a sore throat for just one evening, maybe four hours. A sore throat for maybe four hours. Anybody, any takes at all? No, yeah, just a few of you. Okay, don't worry, your children aren't around. I hope they didn't see that. Nobody. If I went into a restaurant and I took you all with a bird's eye view so you could watch me in that restaurant and there were 300 people in the gigantic restaurant, most of them who don't know Jesus, and I asked them the same question, every hand would go down. They're not even Christians. They're not filled with Jesus. Why in the world would we ever think that we're better than God? Or rather, why would we ever think that God is worse than us? Come on now, let it sink in everybody. Because if you do, you're going to start seeing miracles. See, because here's the deal. If you think that God gave a person sickness to teach them a lesson... You're going to be the last person that's going to lay hands on them and expect him to heal them. It's logical. It's logical. Oh, and, and this, this, really, this will really sort this one out. The tragedy is that all over our nation and all over the world, there are many, many believers, millions of believers who believe that doctrine. They believe that God gives you sickness to teach you a lesson. If that's true, how can they go to the doctor? Why go to the pharmacy? If you believe that God's giving you sickness to teach you a lesson, then you're, going, you're actually being disobedient to that lesson if you go to the pharmacy or the doctor. And yet we happily go to the pharmacy and the doctor, but we think that God doesn't want us to heal. Because you get what I'm saying? I don't even need to go any further. You guys have got it. I feel it's lifted. We're good. You're all convinced. Come on now. All right. God uses every situation to bring good out of it. So God will use the situation to bring redemption. But he was never the author of that sickness. All right. Number five. Workers in the harvest field, workers, faith in Jesus is the faith that counts. This one's easy, guys. Jesus commended and rebuked people for their faith or lack of faith from time to time. But faith in the person needing the miracle wasn't always required. It's exactly the same for us. More often than not, Jesus' faith as the minister was enough. Okay? We must never feel, leave people feeling guilty that they didn't have enough faith. If we fail... We can just say, hey, listen, this is my favorite thing I love to do. If we have a go at healing, if, if we make 
If we make a moment into a moment where we make room for Jesus to heal through us, and we try the first time and they don't get healed, and the second, and the third, and the fourth, and the fifth, and the sixth, and the seventh, well, now it's getting socially awkward. So put them at ease and yourself at ease by simply saying, I'm so sorry that you didn't get healed on these seven attempts. But let's put this down to the fact that I'm still learning. It's not your fault. Okay, that way we're not putting the guilt on them. You see, if there's one thing that will quench the Holy Spirit from doing miracles through us, it's when we attach our significance to those miracles. And we live in a day and an age where we get to show off our significance real super easy. Social media, all kinds of different ways. And we can make something out of a testimony. And we forget that the testimony is all about Jesus. And we get muddled up thinking it's all about us. And weren't we so talented and so gifted and so anointed and so amazing? It's nothing to do with us. The reality is in the kingdom of heaven, you can't. Can't. You can't. Only Jesus can. But he won't if you don't. But he will if you do. Come on now. That's how it works. You can't, only he can. But he won't if you don't. But he will if you do. And he gets all the glory. And you get to be used by him in a powerful and wonderful way. Now, how do we know that it's not the person that is being ministered to's faith that counts. It's the person ministering's faith that counts. How do we know that? By Lazarus. It's true of Jesus. He didn't sit there outside the cave going, hey Lazarus, don't forget now, it's me. Have faith in God. I'm about to raise you from the dead. He just said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came out. No faith was required by God in Lazarus for him to be raised from the dead. The father required his son to have faith that Lazarus would be raised from the dead. And that's the same for us, you guys. We got to take ownership of it. We're the ones to have faith in God. And when we have faith in God, the other person gets to be the beneficiary of our faith in God. Amen? Come on now. Don't you dare make anybody feel guilty that it was their lack of faith, just so you feel better. Now then, number six, workers work in the fields, not just in the prayer closet. Workers work in the harvest fields and not just in the prayer closet. We say, what, am I, what do I mean by that? Okay, well, it came to me this way. One day I was praying in the prayer closet about 20 years ago. And I was praying fervently. Oh God, with all my heart. I was kind of like this. Father, with all my heart, I ask you, please just use me to open the eyes of the blind, God. Do it, God. I ask you, anoint me, Father, please. I want to, I want to be obedient to you and see the, see you open the eyes of the blind. Father, please anoint me. God, please open the eyes of the blind. My, I'm telling you, the angels were like, whoa, that's an awesome prayer. <laughs> At least I was thinking of that. But you know, God wasn't overly impressed. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, son, it would really help me answer that prayer if you'd leave this closet 
and go find a blind person. (laughs) Harvest fields, everybody. Get out into the fields. And if you need to practice in the church, that counts as fields. But don't spend your life in the prayer closet praying if you're not also prepared to go be the answer to your prayers. Number seven, very close, very similar. Workers heal the sick rather than pray for the sick. Workers heal the sick rather than pray for the sick. Jesus never asked his disciples to go pray for the sick. He told his disciples, go heal the sick. Now, he wasn't confused, thinking, "Uh uh-oh, the world's going to think it was the disciples and not me who did the miracle. No, he knows that we're not the ones that can do the miracle. Listen, the world itself won't get overly confused and think you're the one doing the miracle. The world knows it's God. So rather than praying for the sick, go out and heal the sick. And I'm going to teach you two ways that you can heal the sick. All right, now some of you might talk about James 5, where it says that if anybody's, verse 14, if anybody's sick, they must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him. Notice it says they are to pray over him. It doesn't say they are to call a prayer meeting. See, when I grew up, my parents will testify to this. When I grew up, we had a culture. And guys, it's because that was the way back then. Understand. And I'm not putting any any qualitative statement on this. I'm just simply saying that today we, by the grace of God, know so much more about the kingdom than when I was a kid growing up. But if one of the missionaries caught malaria or typhoid or some kind of sickness, we would, call, we would add it to the list of things that we would pray about in the prayer meeting over there on the other side of the village. And we would pray for our dear sick brother or sick sister with malaria or typhoid. And you know what? They hardly ever got healed except through medicine. But this is not that. This says right here, James says, if anyone is sick among you, they must call for the elders of the church and they're to pray over them. They're to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, or as some translations say, and the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven them. I just want to emphasize the important point, everybody, is that we don't just shut ourselves up in a prayer closet or a prayer meeting or pray for people in our connect group without them being there. We do our very best to go and lay hands on that person. And if we can't lay hands on them, we do what Paul did, which was basically send a handkerchief to that person. Well, actually, it wasn't even Paul's idea. It was the people who so desperately wanted to have their relatives healed who came up with the idea and they, they snuck his aprons and their, his handkerchiefs and anything else that he touched and they took that soaked with his anointing and they went and laid at hands. And I've, I've had people come and do that with me. I've also watched them do it with other people. They've taken their, 
their handkerchief and they've gone and laid hands on the, laid that on that person and they've been healed. The prayer of faith or the prayer of command and action is required, everybody. Even anointing somebody with oil is an act of faith. Number eight, workers know that they're one with the anointed one himself. Workers know that they're one with the anointed one himself. Acts 10.38 says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Put your hand on your head. If you want to heal the sick, say this with me. You know of Jesus of Nazareth. Say that with me. You know, okay, let's start again. Say this with me. You know of Jesus of Nazareth. Who dwells inside of me. How God anointed him and me with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how I'm going to spend the rest of my life going about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. For God is with me. <laughs> Come on now. Number nine, I can feel faith rising in the room. Number nine, lastly, Workers know that every believer can heal the sick, not just pastors or evangelists or the heroes that we see on TV. Mark 16, verse 16. Jesus said, He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who is disbelieved shall be condemned. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. So they will lay, and they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. By the way, that, that verse right there is, is not telling us all to be snake handlers. That verse right there is saying, if you're ever bitten by a snake, you can do what the Apostle Paul did. You can shake it off into the fire and you will not be harmed while you're going about your daddy's business. Because you might meet a snake or two. All right. So now I want to teach you two methods so y'all can stand up. I'm going to teach you two easy methods. And there are more methods on how to heal the sick in Jesus' name, but these two are two of the best in my humble experience and opinion, my humble opinion and my experience. So the first ministry model, so to speak, for healing the sick, super easy. You simply say to the person who needs healing, give me the 30-second version of what you need Jesus to do. Remember that. The 30-second version. Otherwise, they're going to go waffling on about their tale of woe. And rightly so, because they're in pain or sickness. But you want to bring them into healing, not bring them into a further opportunity for them to tell their sad story. Amen? So you want to say, give me the 30-second version of what you need healing from. And then, when they finished... You're going to say to them, I've got good news for you. Say that with me. 
I got good news for you. The kingdom of heaven is within our reach. That's the good news. Yes, good. Tell me. All right. And then you're going to declare and decree. You're going to lay your hands on them appropriately. Okay? Do not lay hands on anyone inappropriately. Lay hands on someone appropriately. That means if they're somebody of the opposite gender, you're going to say to them, are you, if, let's say they've got a painful knee, you're going to say, would you mind if I touch your knee? If they say no, I don't mind. Go ahead, touch the knee. If they say yes, I do, do not touch that knee. Do you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder? Yes, you can put it on my shoulder. Are you following me? All right. Okay. And the moment you put your hands on them, you're going to declare and you're going to decree this. Kingdom of God, come now. Say that with me. And then you're going to say, will of God, be done. Now. When? When's now? What about now? Oh, what about now? So now is... Oh, that's because he's the I am willing one. There's never a moment where the kingdom doesn't want to come. Kingdom of God, kingdom of God come. Boom. You believe that? You'll become a worker in the harvest fields, not just a person in the harvest fields. Then you're going to say, will of God be done now? And you're going to take hold of, you're going to say, I command the spirit of infirmity to come out of you now. Come out of this person now. And by the way, while you say that, take hold of that snake by its tail, because every snake has a tail. There's not a single snake without a tail. Take hold of that snake's tail by faith and yank it out. Right? You say, well, you're just pretending. No, I'm doing an act of faith. I know that there is a nasty snake buried inside that person and I'm yanking it out by its tail. And then as soon as you've done that, you simply say, now check it. Do something you couldn't do before. And you say to them, look for the miracle, not the pain. Look for the miracle, not the pain. Don't look for the sickness. Look for the miracle. All right, you ready? Okay, how many of you in this room have pain in your body or you're sick and you need a miracle? Put your hand up. All right, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep the hand up. All right, now here's what I want you to do. Keep your hands right up, please, so everybody around you can see you've got your hand up. There's no shame in this. We're going to practice right now. So here's what I'd like you to do. Go find somebody with their hands up, the rest of you, okay, and wait for me, I'm going to give you instructions, okay? So go find somebody, and if you're in a group where there's like five, and put your hand down as soon as you have people with you, so I can tell, okay? So those of you with your hands up, put them down if somebody comes to you. If you've got two or three people with you already, if there's three people, can one of you leave and go to someone who's still got their hands up? So keep your hand up, start waving it. Guys, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. If you've got people with you, you don't need to put your hand up now. If you don't have anybody with you to minister to you, keep your hand up so I can see in the room. Okay, there's, okay, good. There's a few at the back, please. If, if we can make sure nobody is left out. There's one, one, one lady right here with her hand up. Okay, everybody. 
Okay, good. All right, here's what you're going to do. Let's go over it again. Tell me 30 seconds what's wrong with you. Okay, I've got good news. Listen up, everybody. Listen up, everybody. Wait up. We're not going to just hold up. You're going to say to them, give me the 30 second version of what's wrong with you. Then you're going to say, I've got good news for you. The kingdom of heaven is within our reach. Then you're going to say to them, you're going to lay hands on them appropriately. And you're going to simply say, kingdom of God, let's say it together. Kingdom of God, come now. Will of God be done now in Jesus' name. And then you're going to say, and that spirit of infirmity, I command you to come out. And you grab it by its tail, yank it out, and then tell them to check it and look for the miracle. Okay, off you go. Okay, I got good news for you. The kingdom of heaven's within your reach. Declare the kingdom. Kingdom of God, come now. Will of God, be done now. I command you, spirit of infirmity, come out of my friend. Yank it out by its tail. And then tell them, check it. Do something you couldn't do before. And look for the miracle. Look for your healing. Okay. There's a lot of praying going on. Stop praying and start commanding. Way too much praying going on. That's what we do when we don't really believe a miracle's going to happen. We pray because it makes us feel better. Stop praying. Okay, hold it right there. How many of you in this room, you've just received a miracle? You're already better. Wow, How, let's hold your hands right up. Look around you, everybody. Okay. All right. I would like every eye on me right now and everyone listening to me. And if someone's talking to you, tell them, stop talking. I want to listen to Duncan. Okay, listen up, everybody. This is really, really important. Don't fall to the temptation to start praying as though lots of your words is going to make a miracle. It's not you who does the miracle. It's God, the Holy Spirit in you and on you. If you want to, if you want to see very few miracles, keep going on with lots of words and prayers. But if you want to see a miracle, it's astonishing to me every time. Sometimes I'll just touch a person and say, be healed. Sometimes I'll just touch them and I won't even say a word and Jesus instantly heals them. It's not our words, everybody. That's what the pagans do. Jesus said, the pagans think by their many words that God will do something. But your father knows you. He's good. The more you know the goodness of the father, the less you have to say.
for yourself to be religious. So we're going to do it one more time. You're going to say to your friend, I've got good news for you. The kingdom of heaven is within our reach. Don't, don't look at me a minute. Look at me a minute. And then you're just going to say two phrases, three phrases, three phases. Phrase number one, kingdom of God come. You're not the king. Jesus is the king. Number two, you're going to say, will of your heavenly father be done. You're not the father. The father's going to do it. Be done now. On earth, in my friend, as it is in heaven. And then number three, you're going to say, I command you, spirit of infirmity, come off and out of my friend. You're not the one doing it. Jesus will do it, but you're commanding it. Amen. We're enforcers of the kingdom, everybody. I said, we're enforcers of the kingdom, everybody. We're enforcers of the kingdom. Okay, go for it. Have one more go. Come on now. Have one more go. Let faith arise in you. I've got good news for you. Okay, you should already be on to the first phrase. Kingdom of God. Come now. Second phrase. Will of God be done now. Now the third phrase. Spirit of infirmity. Come out in the name of Jesus and yank that thing out by its tail. All right, now tell them to check it. Do something you couldn't do before. Look for the miracle, not the pain. Oh, come on now. Wow, awesome. Yes. All right. How many of you just had a miracle? Wave at me. Wow. And how do you all feel? No, no, no. I'm not talking to the people who had the miracle. I'm talking to all the workers. How do you all feel? Yes, you feel excited. Because Jesus and you just did a miracle that only God can do. All right. Okay, now, conference is coming up, starts Thursday night. Make sure you're here. Friday, Saturday, let's do miracles. Let's have an explosion of miracles. Today, when you go to your lunch, expect a miracle. Ask God to create the opportunity. Now, here's the last, that's the first method. Now, I'm going to teach you this one, that one works really well in a church or in a setting where you know the person and you know the condition. This is a method that you can use when you don't know the person, when they're a stranger to you, when it's the waiter or it's the flight attendant or it's the UPS driver or the FedEx driver or the gas station attendant or whatever it is. Okay, you ready for this? This is easy. Do you have any pain in your body? Say that with me. How easy is that? Is it really that hard? It's not hard, is it? Say that again. Well, actually, as a matter of fact, my shoulder's a little tender. You say, oh, and you reach your hand out like this, and you say, say this simple prayer with me. Well, because you put your hand out, now there's this socially awkward moment. Because they feel obligated to take you by the hand. And so they do. 
Now there's a really, really socially awkward moment because they actually are holding you by the hand. But why do you want to do that? Because there's power in you. You are powerful in Christ Jesus. Powerful in Christ Jesus. And you say, say this simple prayer with me. This healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. I receive my healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, I forgot the now, sorry. Let's do it again. This healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. I receive my healing. Now, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, you just made that person say the name of Jesus twice. I'm telling you guys, nine times out of ten, literally, in those kinds of circumstances, the person will freak out. Before you even say, check it. Sometimes you have to say, check it. The reason why I'm encouraging you to tell them to say, check it to for you to tell them to check it is it will keep you from going into prayer mode and very often the miracle happens God does the miracle while they're checking it not while you're praying it okay come up here uh Kelly please your MC all right watch this everybody this is how to do it do you have any pain in your body I do what's up my neck your neck Say this simple prayer. See how she literally instantly took me by the hand? They'll do that. It doesn't matter where you are. Say this simple prayer with me. This healing. This healing. Belongs to me. Belongs to me. Because of what Jesus has done. Because of what Jesus has done. I receive my healing. I receive my healing. Now. Now. In Jesus' name. In in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now check it. And right there is when the miracle happens. Say it with me. Say it with me. This healing belongs to me. Because of what Jesus has done, I receive my healing now. In Jesus' name, amen. This healing belongs to me. Because of what Jesus has done, I receive my healing now. In Jesus' name, amen. Catch the fire family. Say it with me. One more time. One last time so you really, really can do it while you have lunch with your waiter or waitress. Hold your hand out as if you're taking them by the hand. Say this with me. This healing belongs to me. Now, I'm the person who needs healing. Say it to me. This healing belongs to me 
because of what Jesus has done. I receive my healing now. Amen. Spend the rest of your life as a worker in the harvest fields. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.